Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. Back in 2013, the Syrian government was accused of committing a chemical attack in the town of Ghouta that killed reportedly hundreds of people. The U.S. media and Congress united around calls for President Obama to bomb Syria because, after all, this alleged chemical attack crossed the red line that Obama had laid down. And it initially seemed that Obama was going to bomb Syria, but then at the last minute he pulled back and soon a deal was reached between the U.S., Russia and Syria to destroy Syria's chemical weapons stockpile. Now, since then, reporting has come out that shows that the U.S. government had evidence that at the same time as it publicly accused Syria of guilt, it privately knew that, in fact, the insurgents around Ghouta had likely launched this attack. According to Seymour Hersh, reporting in the London Review of Books, the British military lab Porton Down found that there was no match between the sarin found in Ghouta and the sarin known to be in the Syrian government arsenal. And there was even intelligence gathered showing that Syrian-based insurgents had obtained sarin and sarin materials from Turkey. Well, now a new study based on open source evidence attempts to resolve the question of what happened. And it concludes pretty decisively that, in fact, contrary to what was publicly claimed, it was indeed Syrian insurgents who are responsible for the sarin attack in Ghouta. I'm joined now by some of the people behind this study, Adam Larson, Michael Cobbs, and Sar Wilf. Welcome to Pushback. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. All right, so we're going to get into a lot of technical details today that a lot of people are not going to understand. And I will admit that I do not understand fully all the technical uh, details that went into your study because it requires, I think, a sophisticated understanding of engineering and physics. But I will say this. I have shown your study to people who I trust in the field of physics and engineering, uh, among them Ted Postel, the uh, eminent professor at MIT. And all of them have told me without a doubt that your study is very impressive. One person even speculated to me that this actually this study was so good that it had to have been carried out by a government. But um, after speaking to people who know you guys, I received many assurances that really there was no government uh, behind this study. So I think it's important to give you a platform to let you lay out what you found because this story, these allegations in Ghouta were so important and really almost led to a uh, catastrophic decision in which Obama was going to you know, launch a serious bombing of Syria that was pulled back relatively last minute. So Adam, let me start with you catch people up on what your study looked at and what the backstory is. Set the stage for us uh, for the study that you conducted into what happened in Ghouta in August 2013. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Um, yeah, so now at the uh, on that day, there was actually two, basically two fronts of attack uh, alleged or reported in eastern Ghouta to the east of Damascus and in the western Ghouta, as they call it, to the southwest. Uh, we're, we're not really focused on the southwest, the, the eastern, western Ghouta portion. We're, uh, in eastern Ghouta is the where uh, where the vast majority of the people were reportedly killed. Uh, hundreds, we don't know for sure. In fact, that's part of the mythos of it is that nobody even knows. It's like Halabja, there was hundreds, uh, allegedly over a thousand. Anyway, uh, there were about uh, reportedly 12 rockets of a type called the Volcano. It was an improvised, very large, moderate-sized rocket full of sarin, supposedly. About 12 of these were launched and uh, found in various spots around eastern Ghouta. And what we have done is, uh, through, using some people, other people's work to start with, but a lot of our own over the years, uh, just careful geolocation of where this impact was and then the, the type of damage. And it's not really that tricky, really, if you just look at it carefully. We were able to establish the uh, angles they came from, basically the trajectories uh, estimated, and uh, just uh, take take those and work from there. All right, so give us an example of that. How, based on, how did you figure out what the angle, for example, of a rocket was? And then what then can that, what then can you conclude from that about who was responsible for carrying out the attack? I'd say the best example uh, impact would be the, uh, 
I, I think it was called Impact Site Four, I believe, off the top of my head, the one that hit the, a wall in, in a field. Uh, this is the only one in Eastern Ghouta that was used to give uh, a trajectory in the UN OPCW's investigation. They got it grossly wrong by 30 degrees, approximately. Uh, the way we we analyzed it, the best, we've done different methods over the years. People have tried looking at it this way and looking at it that way and estimating differently. Michael had the best uh, analysis, which is to just find a, a view where you can look straight down the tube, which you're just looking in the direction the rocket traveled in basically, and it just points to a certain building in the distance. Uh, I carefully identify that and trace the line back, measure it on the compass, and uh, it pointed uh, 316 degrees instead of 285. So, you know, it was, it's it's not very tricky, really, but we just, uh, and, you know, established a little <laughs> bit of room, room margin of error based on the small unknowns. Uh, that one in particular was quite precise. The others had a larger margin you couldn't say as much if it was five or ten degrees on a compass this way or that way michael do you want to pick up here and maybe you can talk about the range of the rockets because you know ted postal who I, who I mentioned who has studied this he calculated that what was being publicly said by the u.s government about the range of the rockets was way off and he calculated a range of about two kilometers and that was very helpful in his view to help determine that in fact the rockets were not fired from Syrian government territory, but in fact from insurgent-controlled territory. Yeah, this was suspected for a while, and we trusted this um, calculation because um, there are also videos uh, that show rockets fly, and you see the impact, and you can uh, get the distance from from the sound, um, and that fits very much with. Uh, the calculations of Postal and, and Lloyd. And so we, we took it as a fact. Yeah, We uh, got these uh, geolocations of the impact points, uh, checked for the most probable angle, and got, in the end, uh, the trajectories converge at a point. Yeah? And then we took the range of 2 kilometers and 2.5 as an absolute maximum. And yeah, that was basically uh, in the first time it was that. Yeah, we, we had some area and thought, okay, somewhere here could be a launch point. And yeah, but uh, the, the what initially started our our um, deeper look in this thing was the wrong UN angle. Yeah. Because it was one or the basic fact that was used in all these um, publications that blamed Assad. And in the end, we had these trajectories, but never looked much deeper than that. So, and um, it, it went on for three years. We started in 2017. Um, but then Higgins wrote his book and wrote that he confirmed. And when you, the, say Higgins, <laughs> when, you say Higgins, when you say Higgins, you're referring to the infamous Elliot Higgins. Elliot of Higgins, the founder of, of um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wrote his book, uh, some autobiography, and uh, wrote that he confirmed that anger. Yeah, and he yes. is God, self proclaimed godfather of uh, OSINT, <laughs> open source investigation or intelligence, basically confirmed an angle that is 35 degrees wrong. Yeah. And, and <laughs> by the way, and, and, and uh, Elliot Higgins got it. Uh, he, I mean, he didn't confirm it. The, the thing, the footnotes in his book leads to a blog post where he explains how it came from the north rather than the west. He was almost 90 degrees different from what the OPCW angle was so it, nothing remotely like a confirmation he just pointed to a different army base it, it basically can you point to the army yes in a few different ways and that's what they did over a couple different ways and adam just explain again how they got the how both the un and higgins unsurprisingly in my opinion got the angle so wrong um i don't honestly see any way they could have just tried to get it right and gotten it that wrong uh it I mean, the, the, it's so uncanny. This this line points straight to the 104th Brigade base in, in Damascus, and you know it 
and it had to be in such a way that it converges with the trajectories of, you know, the, of the other attack in, in West Ghouta. Uh It's just 30 degrees wrong. And that's just, it's, as they said in the report, it's a very precise angle and that's why they used it, but they did not read it very precisely. So I do not know how, uh, basically it, it feels kind of like they just pointed to an army base and drew that line or reported that angle. And then just explain again and again in a way that's as easily to understand as possible for those of us who are not versed in this, how you believe you got the angle right? So this is one frame from the um, UN uh, investigation at that point. Here's the rocket sticking in the ground. And what you see here is when you look straight ahead of the rocket, then you see bright uh, houses and dark houses. So depending on the angle of the sun, these facades are in the sunlight and these are not. And um, this way we figured out which building it must be. I tried to show it here. Here we have a model, yeah. And when you when you go, when you look, 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 you can look at it from, from the top. Moment. Moment. So here you look all the way down from the impact point. Here's the rocket. Uh, here, these facades are in, in the shadow because the sun comes from from uh, the east, uh, from, from the west at the time, and these are in the sun. So the line is straight to that point, and we measured 136 degrees. Yeah, while the UN stated uh, they measured 105 degrees, but in this case, a completely different building would have to be in the background. So, when you, yeah, and that's basically it. So you can can go down and and get get the same image they uh, where they shot their their video, and so you look here shadow sunlight <laughs> and kept that angle and yeah it's um no idea how they got that wrong hmm. Hmm. so this would uh, be the building this is uh quite a consensus i mean it's not like anyone is uh no one is contesting today that the un got this angle wrong it's just very unclear what happened there, how they how they did it, and what was the thinking behind it. Um, when I saw it, it was very, very surprising, very weird. It was it's very obvious this is a wrong trajectory that the UN reported. All right, Star. So explain your role here. You published this study at your outlet Root Claim. You also you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you've made some money in tech, and so you put out some money, as I understand it, for people to challenge the findings here. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, so this project uh, I founded called Root Claim. Uh, this is a like a gift to humanity. It's not uh, it's not really a tech company. I don't think it's uh, it has a valid business model. Maybe one day, but not not at this point. It's basically a method uh, to help. Uh, humanity better understand contentious uh, subjects like this. Um, so uh, these guys notified me that they're working on this analysis uh, a few months ago and they already had some amazing findings. Um, um, I myself just helped a bit. I was not as involved as uh, these guys, but by far this is the most impressive open source investigation I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure it's the best ever done. Uh, very impressive results, very clear results, very hard to uh, uh, to disagree with once you understand what they did. So basically what we did would claim we uh, we take evidence, we don't investigate ourselves, we don't uh, uh, bring evidence of our own. Uh, we take the evidence and we put it into uh, a probabilistic model that we developed that basically allows you to assess which hypothesis is most most likely given the evidence. This is something that the human brain is very bad at. And this is why we have all these people constantly disagreeing on matters of fact. Um, but there are there are pretty good mathematical models to to handle uncertainty, to handle complexity. And that's basically what we do. We, we develop the methodology to 
to use that. So uh, we already analyzed this uh, this attack, I think, maybe four or five years ago. At the time, we gave it uh, an 87% probability that this was the opposition. There was already enough evidence back then to uh, believe the opposition is uh, the likely culprit. Uh, and the new evidence basically brings uh, brings us to 96%. Uh, and just to understand what that means, we have never been wrong on, an, on a hypothesis that got about 50%. So uh, 96% is, uh, is a pretty pretty high confidence uh, they got it right. So um, yeah, so another thing we did, what you asked about, is uh, a challenge. So a way for us to uh, publicize the superiority of this method. So we are very confident this method is uh, superior to any human being, any investigative committee, judge, uh, journalist, uh, intelligence agency. Uh, we're pretty confident this is superior to uh, any human uh, reasoning process. And what we did is we offer uh, a $100,000 challenge. Uh, it's a debate challenge. So anyone who thinks that they can, uh, that they can reason better, that they, have, they can convince uh, expert, unbiased judges that a conclusion of ours is wrong, uh, we will uh, we will bet a hundred thousand dollars on that. Uh, th the amount is uh, flexible. That's not important. We we're willing to do if if it's someone if it's someone important. We're willing to do it for zero dollars just for uh, uh, the sake of it to to get uh, to promote uh, rational thinking to promote our method. Um, we our only goal is to is to get humanity to to think better and to um, understand the world better. All right, so who wants to talk to me about the field? Because part of your study argues that um, the that the uh, rockets, uh, the sarin-filled rockets that were fired at Gucha, were actually uh, fi fired from at least at least one of the uh, uh, launches was done from a field that was in insurgent-controlled territory. Um, your study matches this field uh, at the intersection of seven trajectories calculated from image from images of the impact sites where the rockets landed and there also is a video that is widely thought to be authentic showing syrian insurgents around that time launching uh rockets from a field and wearing gas masks so who wants to talk about this critical piece of this critical piece of evidence and, and what it means i can try yeah. are you I, I think that maybe i i can do uh do that well enough uh, now, first of all, Michael was the first one uh, to point my attention to the fact that this video, okay, some noise, sorry, uh, this, this video, uh, this video that was released in 2013, it was ostensibly found on the bodies of, of jihadists killed near the Turkish border by Kurdish Peshmerga forces. A lot of people don't buy that. I don't think any of us buys that story. We don't know where the video came from. And in fact, it's, it's widely disputed. But also, uh, people have, have always wondered if it might be valid. Uh, Michael drew my attention in March to the fact that this, the scene in this video has has enough detail: uh, a couple of rows of trees, a, a concrete platform, and just basically the proportion of those those features. It's not super detailed, but it does it does conform completely with this spot that we found very near the intersection of our trajectories. As if our trajectories were not 100% exact, this might be the exact spot. And it just matches the video in every every feature, in, including most importantly to me anyway, the uh, the corner of the field that gets scorched uh, is apparent on satellite imagery. This certain corner of the field is is blackened, and that's the same spot in the field where the launcher is. The scale of the burning is the same size as the flash of the rocket ignitions you see. And briefly, the, the, what the video shows is uh, the rockets fired are the same volcano rockets, the same model that were used, and if the field proportions are understood correctly because we had to do it at nighttime there's no actual northeast west south you can't tell for sure but everything proportionally would say it's being fired in the same direction towards the southeast, towards the impact points and it was just basically uh the, the attack recorded on video apparently and the group is called the group is called liwa al-islam the people firing i believe they, they claim to be liwa al-islam but they actually mess up the name a little bit and they, they kind of display their flags a little too conspicuously. It's almost like Liwa al-Islam or friends of theirs impersonating them, impersonating somebody poorly impersonating them. There was a little bit of a, a PSYOP angle 
apparently to the video and the way they made it, hmm. I guess for deniability purposes. Uh, hmm. the, the area, the whole Eastern Ghouta area broadly is, was controlled primarily by Liwa al-Islam. The actual area in question in Jobar uh, is, as far as I know personally, it's a little more debatable just who was in charge there. But it was you know, opposition people, uh, Liwa al-Islam, al-Nusra Front, or allies of theirs, not, you know, the Syrian army could have no access. We know that. And they're wearing gas masks. They are, is, you know, protection against chemicals. Uh, they don't wear gloves. Uh, it's almost as if, I'm not sure what they, what they were thinking, what the purpose is. Uh, it could have provided some protection in case there was a leak of chemicals. And it does kind of suggest that they're working with chemicals. Uh, it's not normal to be wearing gas masks. And also it's not important, not normal to call your operation uh, Operation Resarar, which is the same phrase used for a uh, in a uh, an earlier jihadist video where they took two rabbits in a cage and gassed them with some toxic gas till they were dead, and they called it uh, the the Resarar or a destructive wind chemical battalion, and promised that they were coming for the the Alawites of Syria. This video was found on uh, captured rebel fighters near Turkey. Is that correct? That's what was posted uh, as the explanation for the video when it was just appeared out of nowhere on the internet. Uh, my, my own suspicion is it was, it was leaked by the people who controlled it, which would be, you know, presumably Liwa al Islam for somewhat unclear purposes. Now, people might look at this video and say this this could this could all be staged, uh, that this could be even the Syrian government staging this video to make it look as if insurgents are responsible for launching the rockets at Ghouta. That is, uh, you know, a valid enough thought. You know, I never believed that, but I realizing people could think that I always just thought saw these videos as ambiguous evidence that wasn't going to be very good at convincing anybody. But what we have now is that this video was apparently it was filmed in a field either in this field that we've identified or one exactly like it, which means that it's outside of the lines of government control to a comfortable degree to where the army couldn't possibly get there to fake it. Maybe I'll uh, weigh in on this a bit. So um, this video was a, a, a crucial part of our uh, old analysis from uh, four or five years ago. Um, when it came out, it was widely uh, ignored. It didn't make it into um, the media at all. Uh, people simply said, uh, this, is, uh, this is staged, this is a fake, we'll ignore it and that's it, which is very rare. I mean, uh, in my business where we constantly investigate all, all kinds of uh, uh, contentions and whodunit mysteries and murder mysteries. A video of the murderer is something that's considered <laughs> the holy grail. So you, you don't just dismiss it when it happens. Um, what we did in our old analysis is compare it to other uh, stage videos, uh, stage evidence, and found a few things. First of all, staging a video is pretty rare. Uh, what you usually do is you take a video from another event and maybe uh, um, claim it's from uh, where you want it to be, or maybe change the uh, soundtrack or cut it in a way that's misleading. Staging, I mean, get, getting a director and actors to reenact an event is extremely rare. Uh, it does happen, it is extremely rare. That's as a starting point. But another thing is when it does happen, it's very hard to do it without messing up something. You always, I mean, a video is, tens of thousands of images, each one with millions of pixels. It's very hard to make sure everything is perfect and you, you don't mess up something. And, and these guys did not mess up, even though some people claim, but this claim was simply wrong. We, we couldn't find any of those claims to be accurate. So it's very hard to not mess it up. And another thing that's very important is when you stage a video, you make sure that the message comes across. Okay, If you want to show a sniper shooting a child, which is one of the stage videos we analyzed, the child is in the frame, you see the shot, you see the uh, the dust, you see everything, it's very clear what's going on. This video, if you don't understand what's the context, it's unclear what it is. It's First of all, it's very grainy, dark. They don't, they don't actually say chemical attack or serene at any point. They say which is the which is the name of the this, this past uh, chemical uh, uh, um, event, the uh, chemical trial they did, um, and they they actually don't even say who they're attacking. They pretend to be attacking the Syrian army. So 
this whole thing does not, if you don't understand the context, if you don't know to match the rockets to the rockets found in the field, if you don't know what Rikhsasar is, if you don't do what these guys do and actually uh, um, find where this field is, you, you don't know what it, is, what it is. It's like, it would be the worst fabrication ever. So we already gave this a pretty high uh, confidence uh, five years ago. And now that we, that these guys found that it actually matches the location, the exact location where the seven trajectories intersect, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that can't be a coincidence. That's very clear uh, uh, evidence that this video is authentic. It was taken on the night of August 21st, uh, and it shows um, opposition fighters launching chemical rockets uh, towards uh, Zamalka, the, the neighborhood in, uh, in Kuta. They they claim it was taken. They claim it was taken on the night of August twenty first. But there's there's no way to actually verify that it was taken that night, right? Not until now. Not until they actually show that uh, it, it matches the the field. It matches the pattern of uh, the shooting. It matches the actual every everything matches. You could say you could say that this was a stage uh, two weeks later, and they were shooting rockets while while the UN investigators were in the field uh, investigating the event. They were shooting the someone was staging the event and shooting ro new rockets uh, at the UN investigators, that's, that's a possibility. But uh, it's a very low probability possibility, and that's why uh, we give a high probability that this being an opposition attack. It's not 100%, it's 96%. Michael, anything you want to add here? Um, no, but I think um, 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 what, what Saar just said is uh, very crucial in this point, because... Um, to stage that event. We know that, that the uh, Syrian army had no access to that area until 24th of August. We, we have um, a video of a, a tank, um, the only one video that shows that, um, uh, that point at all, and the tank that is slowly driving toward there and, and aiming at that point. But uh, there's no hint the Syrian army had any access to that area uh, before August 24. And in the, in the days later on, uh, the Syrian army was actually uh, attacked there, uh, a few hundred meters away from, from that point with Zaringas. And yeah, as, as uh, Zar just said, at a later point, the UN inspectors were there and the whole world looked at Guta uh, and at <laughs> this kind of weapon. Uh, and at that time, to shoot the same type of rocket in the same area would be uh, a catastrophe for Assad, I think, <laughs> even if, if it was uh, a high explosive. Right. Well, sure. I mean, that's one of many reasons why the official story never made sense. You have Assad has just invited UN weapons inspectors into Syria. They're on the ground for the first time because uh, the Assad government wants them to investigate a alleged chemical attack that the Syrian government was blaming on the insurgents. And of course, Obama had laid down the red line as one former U.S. ambassador to the Middle East told Charles Glass in an article in Harper's magazine that the red line was basically an invitation to a false flag because if you're the insurgents and, and you want U.S. Military, military intervention against Assad to help you win, then when Obama lays down the one condition that would uh, bring him into mil that military intervention, then, of course, you're incentivized to carry that out, to carry out a false flag. So the official story never made sense from there. And then we had, of course, the reporting of Seymour Hersh showing that U.S. intelligence had collected a lot of evidence that, in fact, it was the insurgents, uh, which brings us now up to your study. Um, on the, I want to go back to the issue of the rocket range, because as I understand it, even um, Ake Selstrom, who was the head of the UN mission investigating the Ghouta attack, even he accepted publicly at a press conference, I believe, the range of around two to three kilometers from Ted Postal. Is that right? Uh, they are, they, their own uh, experts. So they trusted. Don't uh, uh, they did not trust uh, postal, um, but they had their own experts, and obviously they came to the same conclusion. Well, I'd like to add is from, from what I followed, it was it wasn't postal, but uh, rather uh, Richard Lloyd, who he was working with, had been working on the calculations for a period of time, 
And I, I believe that was what was referenced. It was uh, Lloyd's calculations had made the news. Somebody asked Solstrom about that, and he said basically, yeah, two two kilometers sounds like a fair guess. We we have seen probably like you have seen others um, performing whatever studies on these rockets. Um, and we have consulted uh, with, with experts. And if you simulate the, the flight path, it seemed not to, to meet, uh, you know, uh, in, in, uh, as the, we, we may be indicated from the report, or you may draw the conclusion from the report. Two kilometers could, could be a fair guess, uh, I would assume. But it, it all depends. You, you have to sort of set some parameters, which we do, do not know. We do not know to the extent they were filled or what they were filled with. We don't know their weight or whatever. Um, but two kilometers could be a fair guess. As far as I know, that's close we have to an official recognition of the point. But it's pretty close. And and just to and can you explain how if it, if the Syrian government was guilty, it would have to be a much longer range than that? Yeah. So it, it, it wouldn't have to be necessarily. Uh, a longer range. There are some were some government held positions fairly close. In fact, the firing spot we find is quite close to the front lines, as if whoever was firing from so close to the front lines might have been hoping that it could be read as coming from behind the lines by the other side. Hmm. But um, it, the point was mainly that the, the they all cross uh, to. The, in fact, the, the range basically puts the government held area completely out of range, and furthermore, the crossover of the trajectories. Uh, is well point well shy of that that line. So I'm going to pull up a Twitter thread that you guys put out at Root Claim, just going through some of your key findings, which might help it easier uh, for those of us to understand who are not so well versed in the technicalities. So let's start here. Following a ne nearly a year of research, an independent open source investigation reached a conclusion that corroborates Root Claim's findings, your findings of a few years prior, by uncovering incontrovertible evidence implicating an opposition faction in the Ghouta attack. So let's start here. The, the investigation began by examining the many videos of rocket impact sites that were uploaded following the attack. Each video was examined for clues pointing to its exact location and the trajectory of the incoming rocket. For example, in this video, the chemical rocket penetrated a wall on a roof and continued to the floor below. Several landmarks in the background can be matched to satellite photos identifying the exact location and you put the coordinates there who wants to talk about this sure so so um basically that, that's a very interesting uh, location so um this video was known from day one it's not it's not a new finding all, all the all the evidence here was known for a long time just understanding what it uh, shows is the new findings so there was a video <clears throat> where the un was was, visit, was visiting uh this location of an impact site on the roof and you see actually the the rocket hit two points, one in a wall and one in the floor. And by connecting these two points, you can actually have a pretty good trajectory of where the um, where the rocket came from. Um, now, first of all, you need to you need to know where, where this location is, and that's that's a pretty hard task. You need to there always could be some minarets or another building or some. Uh, some landmarks in the background, and then you need to try to find from all of Damascus where is the place that matches all these uh, uh, landmarks. And uh, this is something I don't know which of you did it, but the one who did it is that's a very impressive work. They actually managed to find the exact location of the swerf uh, roof. That was uh, it's very impressive. And then when you have the location and you have the two impact points that give you uh, a line, you can you can have the full trajectory. So if you scroll down, you can actually see how this looks. So here you see the, the roof, uh, the, the wall on the roof from which the rocket penetrated. And if you go, and in the background, you see all the colored lines that basically shows you which landmark matches the satellite photo that's above it. Okay, so the yellow corner is the yellow corner in the image and so forth. Okay, so that's that's the geolocation that gives you the exact location on the map. And then uh, what you see on the left is a, a composite image of several shots from the video that shows you you can see the, the the big hole in the in the in the wall and then the impact uh, hole in the ground in the on the, in the roof. So that gives you the two uh, locations that were uh, uh, that were 
merge into a line, and that basically gives you possible trajectories of the rocket. Here you can see the, bla the black rectangle is this uh, building, and uh, these are the possible incoming directions. So the rocket needs to hit the wall and then uh, penetrate the penetrate the floor and go to the to the floor below. Okay, so and that's, is, this, is this how you calculated that the UN slash Bellingcat figures for the angle were wrong? So that's a different location. Uh, there was never any trajectory or, or geolocation given uh, for this uh, site until uh, these guys found it. I see. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but but um, interesting anyway, because you see uh, that uh, if the uh, rocket hit the west wall, then you can exclude every angle smaller than 154 uh, 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 degrees. And so you can exclude some points that we had discussed earlier as um, as launch spots like Tome checkpoint is um, not so not included in this angle or not possible anymore. Yeah. I'd like so to that's that's that. exactly so what you can see in the next uh, in the next. Yeah, so, 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 so because this hits the west wall, then yeah. that, this means you can rule out launch points that were identified as Syrian government launch or possible Syrian government launch points. Exactly. So yeah, it's best to see it on the map on the next page. You can okay. see exactly what what it gives you. All right. It's what that is is actually the, the way it hit the west wall just uh, exclusively without hitting the that northwest corner either. Yeah. All right. So so this so the tweet says so you guys write this alone disproves the prevailing hypothesis for government involvement proposed by Bellingcat, which suggests a launch area in yellow within the green area of government control. This is impossible as a rocket shot from the north could not have penetrated the western wall. Exactly, yeah. So maybe it's important here to uh, uh, take a look back at the, the developing story for government involvement. So originally the first, uh, the first claim was what was uh, made by uh, Human Rights Watch and made the headlines of New York Times, uh, basically saying, um, that the UN gave two trajectories, one from the wall, which was wrong, and another from uh, completely from the western location, uh, which is also wrong. And they intersect in an army base, and voila, you have uh, forensic evidence proving this is the Syrian army. Uh, very quickly after that, everyone realized the rockets cannot go that far. Uh, that was about a nine kilometer range. And everyone just everyone who knows ballistics realized or aerodynamics realized this is a very non-aerodynamic rocket. It cannot travel this uh, far. And then we got the more uh, accurate estimates of uh, two and possibly 2.5 kilometers uh, max. So that killed the first the hypothesis. And then we have this new hypothesis, which uh, Bellingat, Bellingat uh, uh, gave, which um, uh, shows you, uh, this is very interesting. So you see the red circles, each red circle is a two kilometer radius around an impact site. Okay, so basically um, the launch locations should be uh, at, a, at a, the intersection of uh, the red circles, may, maybe a bit below, if uh, a bit uh, behind it, if it's uh, a bit more than two kilometers. But you see that this uh, most of the green green area is not uh, within the intersection of the red circles, which means that most of the government control area could not have been the launch uh, source. And uh, Bellingcat proposed that uh, in this yellow rectangle you have. Um, uh, I forgot which I think was the Syrian Air Force Intelligence uh, Base, Air right? Intelligence. Yeah, okay. So they have the Air Force Intelligence Base there. And he proposed that they uh, went outside this uh, base in night, went a few hundred meters to the south, downwards, and uh, they then got within range and uh, shot uh, and uh, launched into Zamalka. Now, what happens with this new evidence is basically, basically kills completely this hypothesis because this blue line you see um, diagonally, that's Th that's the this um, one here. Yes, exactly. So this is this is basically the the western wall that we talked about, uh, with a bit of an angle to the left to the to the west. Basically, you cannot shoot uh, launch the rockets uh, east of this line and uh, penetrate the western wall. Just impossible because you need to bypass the northern wall. So coming from, coming from here. So if, if, yeah, if, if you're coming from here or from the yellow rectangle, anything that's uh, to the right, to the east yeah. of the blue line, mm -hmm. cannot penetrate the western wall without penetrating the northern wall. So this, this site alone, 
basically invalidates the current hypothesis for a government attack. I'm sure people can come up with a new one given the new evidence, uh, but that itself is, uh, is very important. Okay, should we go on to the next uh, tweet? Yeah, so this one uh, we examined already. So this is basically this uh, rocket that uh, just the rocket motor just lodged into the ground. Uh, the UN report that it doesn't show any bending signs. So it is uh, roughly pointing uh, at, at its source. And at the next, uh, the next image, you can see basically what they did. Uh, so they built a model, a 3D model of the area, and they matched it to the buildings. And they looked for a video shot where the cameraman is exactly behind the rocket. And then they looked to see which buildings are in the background and they could give you a pretty accurate trajectory. And that, that gives you another uh, trajectory. The, the location of this spot is, uh, what is known for a long time. It was uh, uh, located within days of the videos coming out. So the location was known. Uh, the UN reported this weird trajectory, which I don't understand how they did. And uh, now these guys uh, brought us this uh, accurate trajectory. Does it look to you like, you mentioned this before, but I, I just want to stress this. Does it look to you as if basically the person, whoever wrote the UN study and trying to come up with the angle of the rocket was basically trying to pin it on the Syrian government? Um, the evidence... <laughs> The evidence definitely matches that hypothesis, uh, but it's possible that there is another hypothesis that also matches the evidence. So I will not make this claim confidently. So, so it could just be a careless mistake? It, um, I cannot see how it's a careless mistake, but maybe it's just my lack of imagin imagination and that maybe there is a good explanation. And if the UN does an investigation of how this happened, maybe they will bring a good explanation. I don't know. But an investigation needs to happen. This is some serious... Uh, mess up so you can't see how it was a careless mistake but you're not going to rule out the possibility that what that it was a careless mistake based on evidence that you have not seen yet exactly <laughs> fair enough <coughs> you're, you're very fair you're very fair <laughs> all right uh and i appreciate that um okay anybody else want to comment on this image michael i, I believe you showed us this image before right yeah yeah, yeah. i showed some model yeah I, I like to to um, add to one interesting point. I, I don't know if, if it comes here. Um, Al Jazeera made a um, documentary about Guta, hmm. and they actually had Syrian forensic engineers on the ground at two points, uh, formerly unknown points, who measured uh, with a compass, old old style, the angle. They they found from from the tra tra trajectories on 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 the site. Um, Chris uh, found one of these points, uh, uh, basically a, a swimming pool. And and Chris is someone else. Chris is someone else. Yeah, he's not with us today, but, but he uh, uh, made a lot, a lot of lot stuff. Also, yeah. Chris Cabos, however you pronounce his name, I don't know. He's indispensable in. Uh, geolocating things uh we lost michael yeah he'll come back i bet he will uh well uh oh yeah he was and he was the one talking about what chris did uh yeah um the documentary i stopped they uh measured uh using a compass you know, and these compass readings uh, from the Syrian forensics exactly match our trajectories and even uh, intersect at the same point, uh, close, 50 meters away. Uh, one, one of the lines uh, even touched the spot, the Liwa al-Islam video spot. And so there's corroboration of, of the trajectory and even the range. So it was pretty difficult to find another spot that uh, would match in somehow <laughs> in a in that uh, what would I say uh, in the same way right okay should we go back to the thread you note that the as you talked about the UN misreported this angle by 30 degrees and then misreported yet another trajectory 
both of which conveniently intersected at a Syrian army base, today known to be out of rocket range. Even the New York Times was convinced. But by the way, the New York Times actually revised their claims after the study by Postal and Professor Wright. Is that correct? Uh, 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 sorry, uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. So, yeah, Lloyd. Yes, for Lloyd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they uh, they actually uh, I think they had um, an article co-authored with um, Richard Lloyd that uh, changed this uh, changed this claim. Um, I think they then moved to uh, rely mostly on uh, uh, on the chemicals, the, on the composition of the serine, uh, claiming it is uh, it points it points heavily into uh, the Syrian army sources. Uh, we can talk about that later, but I think all of these uh, weak evidence are now irrelevant now that we have uh, clear evidence with it. Yeah, here in, in, the, in the image you see the Al Jazeera um, compass readings, the, the bright blue lines and the dark blue line, and they cross exactly at the same point. So it's not just we uh, did some uh, or, or, or tried to find an angle, they did it also, yeah. And it um, went missing, I would say, <laughs> nicely, because they were they tried to to make a sense of the UN angle and their own um, their own measurements, and we are completely confused, inclu including the wrong range they had, and in the end they came up with two launch sites on the on the mountain, uh, uh, five or six kilometers away. So it was more confused than before, um, but basically all starts with the UN angle. You know? So they had the right angles here as measurements and completely missed what it means. And what it means is that the uh, trajectory shows that the rockets only could have been fired from a very um, distinct number of locations. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. What happened with the Al Jazeera angles briefly is uh, that they gave us the uh, trajectories, the the angles, but they never showed on the map where those trajectories come from. So you mm -hmm. can never really just place it on a map and make sense like this until we located the the pool site exactly. And the other one, uh, we we actually don't know really exactly where that is, other than uh, taking a couple of uh, reported locations that we haven't located yet and and finding that it correlates with one of those pretty well. Okay, so if I have this right, we were told of where the rockets landed, but there wasn't the kind of uh, proper analysis done of where they could have come from. It, it, there's yeah, two different levels. Uh, some people had reported impact locations without uh, visual, just just on a map. They they landed here and here, and then separately, Al Jazeera uh, gave us two angles without showing on a map what they lined up with. So we had taking the two and correlating them, we were able to get this. Okay, so here on this in this map here, you say that the trajectories all converge on a small area in opposition territory within the around two kilometer range from the impact site. So basically, you've traced the launch sites to this to this very narrow set of uh, of locations here. And are they is it are these the impact sites at the bottom, or is or are these the impact sites up here? Yeah, no, it's yeah the, 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 the narrow end of the triangles to the southeast is where they landed, uh, and the the reason that the triangles get wider at the other end is because uh, of our imprecise. You know, we don't know the exact angle, so it could have come from this or this or this angle. Each one has a, a wedge of possible angles included in that triangle. Uh, and in fact, yeah, the Al Jazeera ones, as Michael said, are the red, the the dark blue, and the bright blue lines added that don't have triangles. And the red one uh, is very important. That's the uh, impact site four, the, the, the unbent tube in the wall that gives the best reading of all. And that's the one that really helped narrow down because the, the firing spot has to be where they all intersect. So some of those are quite broad, but the red one is quite narrow. And that, that really puts a, a tight leash on, on the crossover area and makes it, that's what makes it a narrow, precise area. And is your field... Is your field the the field that you located as as being possibly in that video, and where would you speculate was the launch site? Is is your field inside this range it's here? It's right there. Yeah, it's, it's right there. It's right at the I, end of the uh, purple triangle inside the red, 
uh, right on the light blue line, pretty much. One of the light blue lines. There's two of them because I forget why there's two. All right, so purple and blue. Oh, yeah, magenta. The magenta, uh, we're right past where magenta ends inside red. Uh, and Around yeah, it, it gets hard to see the colors once they all cross over. It's a rainbow. Yeah. The point is, your field is there. Oh. So, yes. uh, I have to share. Do you share screen? Okay, you want to share something? Yeah, I try. Let's screen. And thank you, Michael, for being able to share things. That's been helpful. All so right, let's, let's put this up. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Looks a little bit big. So this is basically how it started. We had to had some some tra tra trajectories, and Adam, we chatted about or, or tweeted about um, the Leval Islam video, and I basically said, oh, if this this video would be authentic, then we have only two spots where it came from because we all all other places are buildings or narrow or, or uh, behind big uh, buildings. So we have basically here a parking lot for buses on the government side. And we have here such small green area with enough space um, on the opposition side. And right here is that field, but we uh, matched as a launch spot with the Leval Islam videos. And to see that 110 degrees measured by uh, Al Jazeera forensics exactly cross around, uh, over this field and also the UN rocket in the real angle <laughs> um, is also here. Yeah, and they are all come together here. So, yeah, there's little doubt. Here's a field. This is a field. Mm. Exactly here was a launcher. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, can we get some? I'd like to. I, I hope that the final program will have uh, some more images of the uh, the field and the modeling and the lineup and that scorched corner. That's some good stuff. Yes. You, you guys can send me that and I can, we can add it. Um, there's and, some stuff in the tweet uh, thread. Yeah, so here we go. Back to the let me let me pull the thread back up, Michael, if that's okay. If you yeah. unless yeah. you want to show us anything unless you want to show us anything more, Michael, where you have No, there. it's okay. Do it. So so I'm, I have to stop it. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's put this back up. All right. So now we're back on the tweet thread. Right in the middle of the identified area is this small field with enough space from which to launch rockets whose importance will soon become evident. So yeah, as you guys were talking about, the field is in that area that you've identified as being the uh, source of the rockets. Yeah, I, um, let me add uh, a sentence to what I said before. Yeah. I said to, to Adam, if this video is authentic, then in, in one of these two areas, there's no other possibility. And then we looked and said, oh, it looks pretty, pretty much like that. And uh, this is how it started. And we found more and more clues that actually it is the site of, of that dark video or the three dark videos. Um, in the end, everything matched perfectly. <laughs> so uh, we wouldn't, wouldn't have find it without the trajectories tri and, and the range. Yeah. Practically Got impossible. Got it. Okay. And uh, the thread goes on. In 2013, a video surfaced reportedly found on the bodies of Syrian terrorists. It shows Islamist fighters in gas masks launching rockets, identifying as Liwa al-Islam, the dominant opposition faction in Ghouta, and announcing the date as August 21st. Oh, so actually on the video, they say the date inside the video. That wasn't clear to me before. Maybe I missed that. So they actually say the date yeah. in the video? Yeah, It's disputed. People could say they gave the wrong date. Uh, now mm -hmm. we can show, you know, it lines up with the rockets that were seen the next day. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so just going down a little bit. The videos perfectly match that same field where all the rocket trajectories intersect. For example, fire from the rocket illuminates the area, exposing details such as trees in the background, a field with low vegetation, 
and a paved platform where the cameraman stands. None of those are terribly impressive details in themselves, but just it's the matter of the, uh, the way they correlate in a consistent way. Uh, right. And, and then uh, is populated with a rocket launcher at the same corner, launching rockets in the same direction. It all comes together amazingly well. Right. Sorry, you want to comment here? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, um, basically what we did here, uh, we tried to look at, uh, at uh, random locations around Damascus and see how strong the fit is. Uh, we couldn't find another field uh, which is similar to that. Um, it's uh, not only about having all these features, it's about their uh, alignment and uh, relative position. And also, one thing that people always forget is there is no negative evidence. Okay, so may maybe if we look at another field, there may be some big uh, electricity pole there, or maybe there's a tree somewhere that could, could not have been missed in, uh, in the video. So all of these together uh, make this match uh, pretty remarkable. It's not some, it's uh, not a likely coincidence. And you guys made a model of this field in 3D. Yeah. A few of them. A few of them, yeah. Yeah. Now, normally when people see 3D in models that are used to accuse Syria of being guilty of attacks, people find that very convincing. I'm thinking about Duma, the story I've been covering, the case of the OPCW whistleblowers, where the New York Times, Forensic Architecture, they put out 3D videos, and everyone automatically, you know, or people who want to believe that Syria was guilty found those 3D videos very convincing. Well, uh, yes, at, the, at the end of the day, you need to actually examine the, the evidence, the hard evidence. Uh, yeah, anything can be presented nicely to be convincing. Um, yeah. But you need to, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sad fact about the world. There's nobody that could be trusted. <laughs> that's why I founded Rootplane. The idea is to have at least one place that is unbiased and, and gives you quality analysis. Uh, by the way, we we have no no dog in this uh, race. We don't care about the politics of it. I'm sure there are uh, analysis we did that your viewers might not like that don't align with uh, uh, their political view. But um, we're not we're completely out of this political game. We only do uh, hard evidence analysis using mathematical models. All right, so is there anything that we haven't gotten to yet that you think it's important for people to know about uh, your study here and how you came to your conclusions? Quite possibly, but I, I'm not thinking of it. We talked about the range of the rockets. We talked about the trajectories. We talked about the video, and we talked about you identifying this field where you say um, the uh, rockets were likely fired from. So anything that we've missed so far, possibly? From your I think it is interesting to note that uh, three days later, uh, when the Syrian army uh, approached this uh, launch location uh, from the east, they were attacked by um, a serene IED. Okay, mm. so that's um, that's something that appears in the UN uh, report, and the UN independently verified that attack uh, by taking blood, blood samples from the infected soldiers. Uh, so this is uh, this is actually an interesting event. Again, no one in Western media is aware that this happened, that, that there was a serene attack against Syrian soldiers. Uh, but it's very interesting. Now, now it's very interesting to see the location. So it's actually within 100, uh, 200 meters from uh, the launch location. When the when Syrian soldiers were approaching the location, they were uh, attacked by IEDs. And uh, also there's another interesting uh, video that shows uh, an opposition chemical uh, lab or chemical storage uh, underground in which you actually see the same IEDs that were later uh, uh, reported by the Syrian army to be used against their soldiers. Mm. So a lot, a lot of interesting coincidences come together around this location. And that that warehouse was the in the immediate vicinity. Uh, it's not just uh, randomly in Damascus. It's the one they found right afterwards. They went to find where the the cylinders came from, where, uh, and that that's that's where it was a workshop right there. It's uh, maybe like three or four hundred meters from the, the launch spot we've identified. They had a workshop with sarin-filled shells and other weapons, uh, and uh, atropine and gas masks, things that the people would have on hand if they were handling sarin. And then they were launching sarin at Syrian troops right there in that area. So uh, I think it's fair to say the opposition in that area had sarin 
and they were firing sarin rockets from there too. Yeah, I don't think anyone in the U.S. media, as far as I know, has reported that Syrian government troops came under attack by uh, a sarin attack just days after the Ghouta incident. Yeah, it's it was in a United Nations report, and uh, it yeah it got it got very obviously very little Western mainstream media notice. Uh, in fact, uh, just noticing the uh, G GPPI Global Public Policy Initiative, I believe has put out a new uh, report and they've got their giant list of 300 and some chemical attacks almost entirely by the Syrian government. And uh, that report, that attack is completely excluded from their list as well as one in the area a day, uh, two days before on the 22nd and one down in Daraya area on the 25th. Not, none of those three attacks on Syrian troops is even listed on their list at all. Of course not because GPPI, whatever it's called, is a state funded uh, think tank so-called uh, but luckily, the state is Canada, so it, you know that that's like that barely counts, right? Well, the German government too. I mean, it, it, it's it's in Germany. Oh and, yeah, you, uh, yeah. I just yeah, Canada was the new one. Yeah, but look, they're all partners in the Syria dirty war. They're all you know, it's all part of the same coalition, and they. I'm sure they. I understand that to make research look more neutral and independent, they farm out certain tasks to different governments, and Canada got tapped on the shoulder for this one, but. Uh, I mean, look, this is the, uh, th this is why the OPCW whistleblower story is so important because it exposed the, you know, the world's top chemical weapons inspectors, the first OPCW team to get on the ground to first, to first investigate one of these hundreds of alleged chemical attacks by Syria actually found no evidence of a Syrian government attack. And of course, we all know what happened. Their evidence got doctored and censored and your study using only open source evidence, nothing secret, just using open source evidence, um, you know, has provided a whole new set of findings here for people to think about as we evaluate the merits of these claims against the Syrian government and how important these claims are to, you know, the narratives used to sustain the whole Syria war and the ongoing sanctions on Syria. So it's really important what you guys have done. I'm going to let you guys all make some final comments for us to think about as we wrap um, and uh, how people should uh, think about your study, how they can go and, and read it, and anything else you want to impart to people who will be looking at your findings. Sar, go ahead. Oh, Sar? Uh, yeah, sure. I wasn't right. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I think the evidence is very clear. Um, we've been trying to... Um, to distribute it, to make it uh, known to as many people as possible. It's a very hard uh, task. Uh, we had similar problems with other uh, um, analysis we did. For example, we found uh, the evidence for vitamin D being uh, very effective against uh, COVID. We found this to be very, uh, very likely, very hard to get uh, vitamin healthy. D. Vitamin D, yeah. Okay. So vitamin, vitamin D, uh, we can talk about that a lot if you want. I'm but, good. Uh, I, you know, vi vitamin D deficiency is enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> vitamin D deficiency is pretty important uh, um, for uh, COVID um, severe outcomes. Um, we had a lot of work with health institutions to get to, to get this um, uh, approved and, and realized. Very hard to do. Um, so this is this is a problem with all our institutions. Um, very hard to find uh, institutions where uh, they're, they're well aligned with public interest, they don't have severe biases, funding uh, problems, uh, government interference, very hard to, uh, uh, very, very big problem. Um, and so same here, you have an amazing finding, very clear evidence that something that is considered a conspiracy theory in the West is, is correct, and the opposition is behind uh, this chemical attack, and probably behind others. This was uh, this was this brought us closer to a war between the U.S. and Russia at some point, and it may happen again. And this is very important that the world knows how to uh, assess the situations uh, correctly without uh, bias. And it's not not happening, and it's very dangerous to all of us. Yeah. Well, look, to me, the conspiracy theory here is the official story, because the idea that the Syrian government would knowingly do the one thing that it knows would invite U.S. military intervention, that it would uh, uh, bomb civilians with a chemical attack, not the insurgents that have been 
routing it across the country. You know, the uh, Al Qaeda captured Idlib, and there was no chemical weapons used uh, against Al Qaeda there, which is a, an amazing coincidence. So the the um, the official story to me is the conspiracy theory because it's just so implausible the Syrian government would ever actually do the one thing that would invite U.S. military intervention while, of course, giving it no military advantage whatsoever, except setting it back militarily as a U.S. military attack would do. I would say that makes it, that doesn't so much uh, lend itself to being a, a conspiracy theory as being a, just an extremely, a theory about an extremely illogical conspiracy. We could say that this is both, both sides are theorizing about a conspiracy by somebody to launch this attack and uh you know the, the the one in which the opposition side doing has always made a lot more sense and it also is supported by the forensic evidence so it's the superior conspiracy theory by far fair enough fair enough michael any any yeah. final remarks yeah interesting for me is um we wrote to al jazeera and syrian archive and asked for additional evidence we know it's there yeah uh, Syrian archive has um, impact points. We don't know, but they have the location. And um, Al Jazeera has also an, a location with with another um, compass reading. So there's more evidence to um, to support or even debunk our theory. But none of them would even breathe. <laughs> the, no reaction from anywhere it's dead silence all around yeah <laughs> well look on that front sarge you want to reiterate your challenge to bellingcat or anybody else who wants to dispute your findings what what challenge you put forth to them if they want to try to dispute the findings of the study yeah sure so uh, this is a challenge uh, on all our conclusions not only on on the good attack uh basically uh what we're offering is this so we we agree together on two judges who are expert in the field and uh, they they publicly claim that they don't have any interest in any outcome and they're willing to check and investigate both hypotheses uh, fairly. So we need to agree on the two people who, who can do that. And basically each side puts an escrow of $100,000. Uh, we do... A long debate it's about eight hours for each side so all the evidence is really understood uh and after this uh, debate this presentation uh the two judges say which hypothesis is, is most likely uh if the, if the two judges both say that one hypothesis is one is more likely the one that supported that hypothesis gets the prize uh, otherwise if they disagree it's a split so these are the rules very simple um very hard People always think there's some catch here. We, we're not going to be good for it. No, the money will be put in escrow before the debate. We will uh, openly talk about uh, who to use as judges. We will not bring our own judges. It's, it whole, all of this needs to be publicly done. And if we try to whistle out and, and, uh, and, and try to push uh, irrational judges, it will be very uh, open and Anyone can see that we are uh, whistling out. So uh, no catch here. Uh, this is for real. The reason no one is taking our challenges is because the people know the, the evidence does not support their hypothesis strongly enough. All right. Well, I really appreciate you guys doing this study and uh, joining me to discuss it. If people want to read it, it's available at rootclaim.com. Adam Larson, Michael Cobbs, Sar Wilf, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care.